Lise, hello, how are you doing? I'm doing really well, thanks, Mark. How are you doing over there in the UK? Really, really well. So listen, how are you? how's things over there? I know you've had some storms in Sydney recently and it's been a bit chaotic, but you've had no COVID, There's, everyone's back, to, life is back to normal, am I right? It's, it's very back to normal. Um, dancing is happening, clubs are open. Um, yes, we did have some really bad floods a um, couple of weeks ago that are slowly slowly getting back to normal. But no, everything is pretty fine. Everything is very busy and it's been a super busy couple of weeks, if I'm honest. Um, I'm very happy for a long weekend to sleep. How about you, Mark? Yes, all good. So, yeah, just to put people in perspective, it's uh, Easter weekend here. So it's a sort of Saturday morning, uh, Saturday evening for you, Liz. Um, all is good here. Um, little, Not quite to the same extent that you guys are in Sydney, but we're certainly in the UK. We're starting to come out to the back end of this sort of lockdown, should we say. Um, we've got some key dates coming towards us. So now people can, I think two families can socialise outside is the sort of... The, the rule, standard rule. There are people, obviously, students mainly having big parties and gatherings um, anyway. And you can have your hair cut, can't you, in two weeks' time? <laughs> yes, that's right. I, what are you <laughs> saying? I know my hair, my hair's looking rather long, <laughs> to the point where it's almost in a ponytail. Um, in fact, the cat does go in a ponytail, but no one ever seen her. Um, totally anyway. rocking the mullet. So, yeah, I, I love my hair. Listen, I'm all about the 80s. So, no, um, so we've got do has some key dates. Yeah, you're right. So, I think. Well, we're in sort of beginning of April now. I think mid-April we can start sort of, it starts to go up in stages almost and phases. And so essentially the end date that we're all looking for, um, as in where everything, life should be back to normal, pubs open, clubs open, um, socialising as, as, as it should be, um, is June the 21st, I think, if I've got it right. But then there's, it's always moving all the government saying these updates aren't set in stone, it may change. So... Yeah, it's all slowly coming back to normal. Numbers are looking good. Vaccinations are sort of obviously people. Can... Oh my goodness, though June is June is so far away. We're actually really behind on our vaccinations. There was an article in the paper today to say compared to the UK, compared to pretty much everywhere in the world, we're really far behind on our vaccinations. But no one is allowed. No one's allowed to travel um, anyway. So I guess I guess we're sort of all. We're all waiting to find out how many people have reactions to the vaccinations before we actually commit to having them, I think. Yeah, well, there, there is that. There's talk of blood clots and people, but the, the numbers don't ha don't really match up. Essentially, what they're saying is just get your vaccination. And there's even talk about people having vaccination passports. So you can only go into pubs or clubs if you can prove you've been vaccinated, um, which is somewhat difficult, certainly when people can't actually get vaccinated um, or get hold of vaccinations. They're... It's pretty much all the over 50s, I think, in the in this country have had their, for the most part, have had their first vaccinations. And you've got to have the second one on within 12 weeks. So anyway, so there we go. Yes, we are all coming out of this slowly. Um, but all that aside, life is good. Um, oh, the other thing uh, on my side, which is still ongoing, is we're still in the process of moving. I'm moving house, which in the UK is such a laborious process. You're moving... You're moving to what looks like downtown yeah. New York. It looks amazing. <laughs> it is a lovely area. So it's in Devon, so in the southwest of the UK, in England. Um, and uh, it's a beautiful sort of country, in the, in the countryside. Should be hopefully getting the keys to the new house in two weeks. So, um, yeah, it's it's very challenging because you've got trying to pack boxes, sell this house, the idea. So, but no, apart from that, life is good. Work is going on. Um, doing lots of interesting work with um, some new agencies. Yeah, what are you working on, Mark? Tell us. 
broadly speaking, for, for, the, for the purpose of today's conversation, um, we are going to be talking about job titles. And interestingly enough, more recently, certainly the last year or two, I have been doing lots of sort of contract work and freelance work. Today's discussion is all about job titles. I think it's a really interesting one, isn't it? And it's one that probably both of us over the past two or three years have changed roles, disregard what the title is that went with that role. We've we've changed what, what we've been doing, what we've been working on quite a few times. And we've had quite a few discussions about how relevant is the title? How relevant is your experience? How is our world changing? What is, you know, project-based freelance and all those kind of things? And I think it's a really good time for us to talk about it. Um, and and there's also some really wacky job titles doing the rounds at the moment. There are, I think. So essentially, today's discussion is about sort of what is your job title and what does it mean to you? Creative job titles. What have you come across as made major giggle? Uh, I've got some that aren't all creative based. Um, some that are everyday things. So aspiring novelist for copywriter. Um, a, digit, a digital overlord for website manager. Um, but just some of the everyday ones, a retail Jedi for a shop assistant um, and happiness hero for customer service um, gave me a chuckle. And actually, I did read that Kate Spade have, have called their sales associates muses, um, which is a little bit kind of um, knobby, if you will. <laughs> um, but interesting, you know, like everyone's take on things. Now, people have started to use a little bit more the descriptor of what they do over um, or I guess the outcome, the, the descriptor comes from what they give to other people rather than what the actual um, title traditionally would be. Have you found any cool ones or fun ones that we can start off? I have. And I think that the point being here is people giving themselves uh, their own job descriptions, if you like, uh, stepping outside of the norm is essentially a bit of personal branding. People trying to make themselves a little bit more, sound a bit more interesting than, let's say, just having sales exec as their standard job title, giving it a little bit more of personality. We've all done it. We've seen someone else in our industry that happens to have put something. I think um, someone that you had on your podcast, actually, Matt, who's a friend of both of ours, um, has the longest. I can't even remember what he puts on it, but it's like innovator, um, chief, whatever officer. And, and you know, like, <laughs> so I think some of them are just like, we've all done it. We've all gone, what crazy little title can I have this week? But normally the majority of us change it back within a week or two and go, yeah, that was stupid. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you're right. And then, and I think that goes, we were just saying before at the beginning of the discussion. So in terms of where I've been in, in job titles and my sort of thoughts upon them, your standard business structure, let's say within a for the purpose of this conversation, let's, let's try and talk around the, the creative industry and the design agency environment. To start off with, maybe say what you would class your title as now and what other titles you've held or just a few other titles that you've held that you can recall on. Essentially, for those listeners who are perhaps aren't necessarily in the design industry, so your standard structure for a design studio might have, let's say certainly for the design, design of the creative side, um, yes, yeah, so you start off with your juniors, your mids, your senior designers, then move on to design director. And then beyond design director, who are sort of also team leaders, um, you have associate design director or associate creative director, then a creative director, then executive creative director. Then you start blending into sort of the, the board members, if you like. So you have um, CCOs, so chief creative officers, um, also MDs and potentially also the presidents. But then it gets a bit blurry up around the area. But that is your standard structure, if you like. Um, and then you've also got the strap guys who come in and they follow the same sort of, and the copywriters, the same sort of sort of um, 
hierarchy. At the moment, uh, I've, I've been in the design industry for what, 20, 20 years and a little, little bit. Um, so again, working my way up that sort of that structure and working independently now, so not working for any one agency, I have my own sort of little small business, um, which then I could also call and refer to myself as a freelancer. So I refer to myself as an independent, currently an independent creative director and business owner. Then you start getting into the semantics of, okay, what is a freelancer? What is a contractor? What is a small business owner? And it becomes quite blurry. So we'll part that aside for the moment. So currently, Lise, my job title is an independent creative director. What is yours? Oh, I'm obviously not independent. I'm a real life creative <laughs> director. Well, I'm pretty independent. Yeah, so I'm that's independent brilliant. I love on it. a very different level if you watch some of the dodgy marketing that's been going <laughs> yeah. around about me. Um, <laughs> and I'm actually just a creative director at the moment. And, and I floated with that in terms of I've been a creative director across different platforms. And then also last year, before I started this role at SGK, I also ran under the title of brand strategist as well, because it's something that I, I got more into over the past five, six, seven years working with strategists. So I was creative director and brand strategist. And I think one question that I would have for you, Mark, um, because I think it's a challenge, the higher up you climb, the harder it is to get actual creative work so at the moment and it's relevant in my industry to be to have the title that I do because like there's that structure the bigger the business the more structure there is and then I was thinking about today when we were talking about this topic and I was thinking about it actually because most people say to you okay you're a creative director what do you do and you go well when I started kind of brainstorming all these things and you would do the same things Mark but because you're independent you probably do them on different levels so you don't necessarily have a team you'll have people that you can pull in when you need to um, and I know last year we were both in the same sort of space where we were both like independent creative directors but sometimes that also stops you getting um, creative work in terms of with agencies because they go well you're too high we've got a creative director we don't want to work with you and you're well I'm really hands-on the, the role of creative director has changed an awful lot I think about the creative directors that that you or I would have had when when we were younger and they were very much they they weren't necessarily hands-on they would very much direct and they wouldn't actually create Whereas I find my role is a lot more, I am more hands-on and, and I'm not expected necessarily to be, but it's just, I can't stop the little inner designer in me, I suppose. So I do design and I also direct and I also teach and mentor. And that's one of the things that I think when you're in an agency as a creative director, it's critical that you can work with people uh, and that you can help mentor and teach other other people. Whereas when you have your own business as a creative director, it's a, it's kind of a different ball game and, and it changes an awful lot. It's a title that runs across loads of different businesses, but it means different things. And we're both creative directors, but our roles in our day to day will be very different. Yeah, I totally agree, Liz. I, it, I, we mentioned this before, isn't it? It's a, the role and title that you play within a business can vary depending on the scale of that business. So um, so where your current role at the moment with SGK, um, the business is so vast and so big that your roles will be very different from the roles that I play within my business, uh, which is, <laughs> in terms of scale, minuscule by comparison. Um, so for the most part, it's me and I, I will fulfill the roles, the stuff that you do, um, but then I'm also... Um, doing the finance, doing the you know all the roles that anyone with a very small business, stroke one man band does. You know, do my bookkeeping and my accounts. To which point you would argue that I think because you are independent and you've had your own business, and look over the probably two years ago when I set up, kind of, I have never used the term freelance, and I've never ever classed myself as a freelancer. 
And and for reasons that we listen to a podcast for the same reasons today that talks about actually a freelancer is it's you don't learn all of the business things. You go in, you do a job and you leave at the end of the day. It's a very different way of thinking about it. And I've never classed myself as a freelancer for that reason of I don't just go in, do a job and walk away at the end of the day. Um, I've always really loved working direct. And for the two years that I was independent, then I actually worked directly with clients as well as directly with agencies. And you learn so much more doing that I think then probably you could ever learn if you were a creative director at somewhere like Google or Facebook you have a very defined role but actually when you do flex or even when you work at a smaller design agency you learn a lot more because you have to you have to wear different hats you have to understand different roles and so a job title means very it means something it's a completely different ball game I think probably you and I will you probably wanted to always be a creative director when you were growing up and as a little junior designer I I know I did I'm like I want to be a creative director because everyone said you can't be a girl and be a creative director and you know all of these things and and then you kind of set yourself these little goals and targets like I want to be a creative director by the time I'm 35 and all of those things and then when you actually get there you realize it's not it's not always what you thought it was going to be sometimes you have to step back out of the role to then go back into I mean I like I went to Parker Williams as creative director but the role I do at SGK is is it's similar but it's different in a way that I'm also on the leadership board as well so I'm much more involved in the business and um, hands-on with strategy as well because we we only have one de- dedicated strategist in Sydney so I think it's all it's, it's what a lot of it is it's the roles that you do not just a title but ultimately the title that you put on your LinkedIn profile is what gets you recognized. And so that's always the challenge to me. Like it shouldn't be about titles, but ultimately on some level it is. Well, you're right. And it's all about stage games. And I think there was another podcast, Eric Sue, his name was, it was about leveling up. And again, so the podcast was uh, Chris Doe's podcast again. And he speaks about um, you have to earn your next level and the importance of your role. We, as you know, as you've already mentioned, as a junior designer stepping into this the creative agency world, you, you can start to see a ladder of progression and you know the steps you need to get to in order to get to that next stage. And you want to get there as quickly as possible. And you want to be that the youngest creative director that's ever been known. Yet the reality is it's very difficult to make that happen because you need that experience. And that experience is just putting in the hours and the time. And being that 35-year-old creative director is fantastic, but I've also, and I'm sure you have this as well, I've worked with some fantastic creative directors who are um, an awful lot older, that, you know, I'd say 60 plus, and can be incredible. And when you start talking to them, their knowledge and experience, it's so valuable and so impressive. And when you hear them talk, you, they talk from experience. And yet having, when you have a young, vibrant, sometimes creative, brilliant creative director who are younger, they don't speak with experience and there's a lot to be said for it. I think you're right. And that's not, it's not just about the creative, it's about any design role, I think. So there's definitely people who I know who've been doing, say, design director roles for 10 to 15 years. And ultimately, I've got, there are some junior designers that bring to the table a, a bigger wealth of experience. So in terms of technical skills, I think, look, let's be honest, 10 to 15 years is going to give you a lot more technical skills if you've been technically hands-on for the whole time. But in terms of being able to, because we're in a creative industry, to pivot, to diversify, actually someone, I know years ago people always used to say to me, oh, you don't stay at um, agencies very long. I know one of, like I was in advertising for two years and then um, the first 
job where I was in London for about three or four years and then I moved agency for another couple of years and probably the longest that I've stayed at an agency is probably five years which was when I first moved to Sydney and everyone used to say oh like you don't stay at places very long and I've only ever left when I felt like I'm not growing or I'm not stretching but I think there's a bulk of people and someone who perhaps has stayed in the same place for 15 20 years or whatever that they might be yes they've on paper they've got the experience but because of that They've not got that agile thinking that, I mean, look, last year has proven to us all that agility is essential in our industry and essential from any sort of business right now. So I think sometimes you can have less years experience, but ultimately more experience through life experience in a way, Um, whether you've worked across different zones or. So I think it's kind of it's almost goes on. If you're doing the strategy thing, there are two there are two lines that cross over that go years plus journey. And I think the journey is what makes you more equipped for a title or whatever. Let's say, Liz, you, you, you said you're, you're looking at your role 20 years ago and you wanted to be a creative director by the age of 35, for example. Now you're there. What's next? What do you want to be? What, what do you see beyond be, being a creative? I mean, not just a job title, but where you want to be within a business or in your sort of career. What do you, what, what's the next step beyond being a creative director for you? Obviously, most people would go, I want to be executive creative director. And look, I had to go away and do my own thing for the last two years and, and work directly with clients and, and learn about business and all those kind of things. And my passion is also in strategy. Like, I love it. So I'd love to be more strategy focused, be that as a creative director or not. Um, but I really just like, I never thought I would get more joy out of watching other people and bringing them on than I would have just going out there as a competitive little Aries and kind of do the best creative work and hopefully winning the pitch. So it's actually really nice to be around people and and see what they can, what you can get out of other people. It's really rewarding. It's my job at the moment. And look, ultimately I've done this similar kind of role before, but it's really, people say to me, how's the new, how is it working there? It's hard. It's really hard, but it's good hard. And so I, I would like to think that the next five years or whatever are constantly being challenged every day and also finding and elevating new talent, fresh talent to get the kind of results as a business, be that at SGK or wherever as a business that we need to go to, to change the world around us. Everyone jokes and takes the mickey out of me for going, oh, I want to change the world. And then like, oh, like Richard Branson changes the world. Elon Musk changes the world. You can't change the world. And so, like, well, Every incremental step sees towards a bigger picture. It's that kind of domino effect. And like, you know, you and I are both quite passionate about health industry. So for me, it's more about focusing on the kind of work I want to do and the work I want to direct and lead. And so for me, over the next however many years, I'd like to go out and find the kind of clients and the kind of businesses and the kind of people that I want to work with. So, you know, like I would, you know, we've, we've got some great clients at the moment, but I'd love to go out and find more of the passionate um, challenger brand type clients and help them realize themselves in the world because I think we're our job is to communicate and to help other people position themselves in the world be that a brand a business a person to help them find their tribe and position in the world and and I love doing that and when it works and and the results are there I want to work with people who want to see results and then I want to help them get there and I think the title just becomes less relevant, but ultimately a bit like you, I suppose, like you have to get there to go, well, yes, I, I reached, I ticked that box. <laughs> like I did it. Like I, I you know, it's a, if it's something that you've always dreamed of being and doing, I think you almost have to be there to realize, okay, all right, done. <laughs> what about you, Mark? What about, do you, where do you see yourself going? Because obviously independent creative director, 
I mean, you have other life challenges as well that kind of have crept in, like moving to a mansion. And stuff. well, it's, it's not a mansion. It's not a mansion. <laughs> it's beautiful. I'm sorry. I'm jo- I'm joking to everyone. It actually is really cool, and I, I think it's like, it, it looks aw- like it looks awesome. It's not really like Downton Abbey. It's just a vast piece of land with lots of potential to to kind of grow and 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 do your own thing on. The rain, my partner. She's probably steered me in this direction in the respect that life isn't just always about work you've got to sort of try and manifest um things around you to what you want them to be so i you know i've always aspired to be living in the countryside having been close to the coast um having some land in order to sort of play with you know have a small holding potentially whilst also doing the stuff that you love and that's what this move is about really it's about making sure you're ticking these boxes and so I, that doesn't mean i'm going to start adding small holder or uh, you know start a farmer a junior farmer to my job title just yet so i think and i don't want to labor the point being an independent creative director it sounds like if you throw independent in front of it you can put any title you want so i could be an independent um ceo or something i, I did go through a point when i started when i set up blue nectar my design agency years and years ago I started adding all sorts. I was the, my CEO of my business, and it was just me at the time. <laughs> so I, often, I gave myself all these sort of glorious job titles, and it didn't. It, it just it gave you a bit of a boost personally, but other people would look at them. What are you doing? You're you're directing and managing your own business. That's pretty much it. But I think it's all about, as I've just mentioned already, it's earning your stripes, um, and I'm all about essentially if you're going to start working up a ladder make sure that at each before you complete each run make sure you are bloody good at what you've just done in order to move on um so anyone who around you who's going to judge you say well they're good at what they did already and they're they're ready to move on to that next point yeah that was one of the podcasts that i think probably you were maybe you listened to that one today the freelance podcast with steve folland who talked about owning your job title so whatever it is that you want to call yourself just own it um, and there was a girl on there talking about, and she was, I mean, they still use the term freelance, the whole podcast called freelance, which we can go into that another time. Aaron, I have thoughts about like freelance and stuff, um, but own your job title in terms of whatever you say you are, just be all that. And that's not saying you need 20 years of experience to be it. Like I didn't have 20 years of being a brand strategist to over the past year or so working in brand strategy, but I had enough that I could help people with their brand strategy. And the more I did it, the more I grew into the role. So I think also as well, I, I am a big believer in once you once you state that's that's your thing and someone comes along to challenge you, you have to prove it. And so I think if someone comes along and goes, oh, you do some strategy, can you help me with my strategy? Well, now you've got to prove it. Now's the chance. And 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 it, normally you do it before you actually claim it. <laughs> so you know, like I'd I'd been to the we've been working in the UK and and then over here on with strategists and and doing brand strategy. Um, to then suddenly go, oh, I do brand strategy as well. But I think there's a big belief in once you once you claim it, you've got to own it because that's what people will come to you for. So it was really interesting that podcast that said, look, not there was a girl on it and she'd been freelance for two years and then she'd gone back to a job and then she'd gone freelance again. And only in the second hit of it did she actually claim what it was she was. She was, she was a writer. And so I think what actually saying, I am this, own it, just be it. Like I, I at first felt a bit, I was a bit like, oh, I'm a creative director. Sometimes I still do it. When people go, what do you do? I go, I'm a creative director. Because I think it sounds a little bit wanky. <laughs> you're like oh god it sounds a little bit like woo woo what does that that sounds a little bit director and posh and stuff it's like (laughs) it can't well because it has so many connotations to it like my background is like i'm a designer 
and I've just climbed you just climb up the ladder until such a point that you're teaching and, and helping other designers but you're still learning like we all still I don't think I don't think creative people ever stop learning and if you do that's when the ego takes over but even now like I shy away and a guy just work in design depending on who you're talking to and actually you go no own it like you've spent a lot of um you know years in the industry to own it but ultimately both of us there are creative directors in different capacities both of our backgrounds is packaging brand design and I think what the important part is as well and I know Chris Doe talks about this a lot is actually niching down and doing something really well people say can I just be a generalist or can I float across different disciplines if you're a creative director is it a digital creative director is it a you know and there are different types of areas and I think to have done something really well like I do have a short attention span but ultimately when I'm in when I'm in a work mode I'm passionate and very like I, it's the only thing I can spend hours and hours and hours doing and losing time in and I think when we're younger designers I mean you and I both did packaging design and we're both like hat softwares we're good at packaging design it's our we we do it really well and we've done it really well for a lot a lot of years and I think that's when you can then go well I can be a bit more generalist now so I can do a bit more digital or I can learn something a bit new but we had to learn to do one thing really well well because they're, they're a fundamental which apply to them sort of across the board so you know the skill sets that you've earned doing packaging and even across the when you start bringing into the idea of man management for example and managing teams managing people that's, that would also apply to other categories, if you like, within design. I still think that there's, when we start referring to job titles, there's still a bit of a mix between what a freelancer is, what a contractor is, and what a small business owner is, and what job, job titles catch up between them. And I, I think you made a, a reference to it before, and there's a, another interview with a gentleman called Jonathan Stark, who spoke about the difference between freelancers versus small business owners. And the freelancer being a hired gun, effectively a mercenary within the design industry. And they go into businesses, to, you know, do what they need to do and then get out quickly um, to move on to the next job. And I get, what are your thoughts on that, Liz, in terms of do you think freelancers are effectively mercenaries within the design industry? I don't think intentionally people are. Um, I don't think, I think it's a mindset that's, but I have always felt uncomfortable about the term freelancer for me personally, for some people. And I definitely like we have freelancers in our studio and it's, and there are very different mindsets. There are people who come in as a freelancer, they do the job and at five o'clock they're all done, dusted, they're out the door and they probably don't think about it until the next day. And for that reason, I've never, I could never class myself as a freelancer. Um, I go in and, and, and I know that Blair Enns talks a lot about think about the value you add, not the hours and the cost that you're outputting. Um, and that was down to another Christo TED talk and everything today and we talked a little bit about value and I think when you clash yourself as a freelancer you're taking away some of your value because you're you're becoming a throwaway like you say a mercenary and it's I mean it's an interesting debate I mean what do you think about it Mark you've kind of you've run under the title of freelancer and I've always felt like I don't think of you as a freelancer which you know because I know you I know you well enough and I've worked with you you and I have worked together and I see you as very passionate about the work that we do and so therefore even though you've gone through pockets of time where you have freelance and and to a degree you would say you do sometimes now but I don't class you in the traditional sense as a freelancer so I probably would never give you that tag you're absolutely right and I don't like to use it as a job title beside that because I do it to me it has bad connotations and negative connotations and I don't know why. I don't, maybe it's because I've had some um, experiences using freelancers myself, 
and have bad experiences with them. I think, listen, I don't, don't like these sort of these interactions I have with them because the quality of work is obviously substandard because they don't necessarily bet themselves into the business. They don't understand the oil industry very well. Um, yada yada. But then it's not the case. I think I've worked, also worked with some fantastic freelancers um, who are very good at what they do. And when they come and do a job for a couple of weeks, a couple of months, they are fantastic. But I, I just, you, the connotation being they don't have the passion that perhaps someone who is uh, on the payroll or is a full-time employee or is that, that's their permanent job to work in with that client. What are my thoughts on freelance? I, if someone talks to me and says, what do you do at the moment? I say, I'm contracting with someone. I try, I almost use the word contractor. I don't know why it has a, it sees a bit more. Yeah. It doesn't, I yeah. don't, I don't have any negative issues with using the word contractor. I do with the word freelancer. A freelancer, I see, it see, I see it as temporary. And as, as you said, you don't feel like you're embedded within a business. And even with your, as a freelancer, let's say, for example, you're working with a company for a, you know, a couple of weeks, maybe, um, you have to, you, you wouldn't necessarily understand the politics within the business, um, understand how they work, understand how they function, understand the culture. Um, so you've got to carry across what you perceive to be the, the right way to work with them. And sometimes it's not right. And then that's when you start to realise that it's the right, not the right role for you and you sort of part, part ways and go and freelance with another business. Um, so, yeah, it's a really hard one. It's a really hard one to place. But I think I refer to myself as a contractor um, when I'm not doing working with my own clients. With, with my own clients, I am directing the design and, you know, if I've, got a, if I've brought in a team with me, I'm directing them. So I'm working as a creative director. So... It's, you know, it's horses to courses and every job I do is quite different in that respect and what my role is. And do you think, Mark, that the title that is um, your job title is representative of how much you earn? So that's always been the, the question to say that salary scale is represented by the job title. So you'd always assume that a junior designer, if you just put a designer as opposed to a junior designer, then that would be reflective within your salary. It's <laughs> a really, really good question. <laughs> because I actually, I actually listened to an interesting podcast, and there was a girl on it, and she was talking to her um, to someone else, and uh, and the interview was she'd been on LinkedIn, and over the last ten years, her title had said designer. She started as a junior, and ultimately, she might have grown up within a very small design agency, and then, so her role had changed, and her pay scale had gone up, but she'd only ever classed herself as a designer on LinkedIn. And then the um, the other person who was talking was um, was someone who worked at at Google. And she said, look, if I was recruiting you for Google, I'd look at your CV and say, well, does this person challenge themselves? Do they move up? Because ultimately for the past nine years, they've been the same title. And it might be completely wrong. They, and this, she, you know, the, the girl who was challenging it said, well, I have, like I've, I've changed my role within the agency. Like I've grown in, I'm what they call a stage four designer or whatever out of six tiers. Um, but ultimately it's not reflected on LinkedIn. And, and the girl actually said, well, look, if you're looking for a job and you want to go somewhere like Google or Facebook, where there are these levels and these hierarchies of growth, you're going to have to at least tell me what your roles and responsibilities were at each stage. And I think that's the thing, like disregard the title, what are the roles and responsibilities? And the more roles and responsibilities you've got, I think are, are more relevant within your pay. Cutting it down to brass tax leaves, that's exactly what it's about. If we, if we sort of strip it right back, your job title is affected of what you want to get paid. So you put down creative director, you want to be at that salary level, which Let's be honest, in it, within the design industry roles, that's where most designers want to position themselves because they want that big salary. 
Um, and sometimes you can shoot yourselves in the foot. If you put yourself, you're going to price, price bracket yourself out of the market. If you put yourself as a creative director, for example, invariably very, there are very few roles, available roles out there that come up in the job market as creative directors. If you're positioning yourself as a creative director, for most of those roles, they are um, sourced from within a business. You know, they, they don't, they're not advertised. Yes, exactly. Exactly that. Some of the bigger roles aren't advertised. So we're looking at the moment to recruit a um, a strategist, but we're not going to like it's the first step is who can we go uh, internal um, headhunter, as it were, will go and talk to people at other agencies without even advertising the role, without even promoting anything. They'll go and headhunt the people that they think are good at the agencies that well, I mean, she asked for my recommendation as to, you know, the kind of agencies. But like you say, these roles don't come up every day. And, and you know, the guy the guy who was the creative director at SGK before me was there for six years. So, I mean, not that's not necessarily always the case. But you, you say, like you say, if you're saying, well, I'm only creative director and someone goes, well, I just need someone to come in and actually be a design director, then you can, they assume that you're too expensive. That's true. And or not only, not only expensive, you're, you're, pla- you're placing yourself above your station almost. And I think that's the most important thing. You have to be realistic. So bringing it right back to what we were originally discussing is you have to make sure that the job title you give yourself is reality. Um, and there is an importance. And I think I mentioned very briefly before, when I was, let's say, 10, 15 years ago, I would give myself random job titles and try to elevate my importance within what I did. The reality was I wasn't exactly creative director 15 years ago because I didn't have the experience perhaps maybe you know, 15 16 years ago um, but I would say now I had the experience and the sort of a backlog of work and personal development to position myself as that title role I, what I don't believe in now and I don't think it's right is for people to give themselves completely random job titles which don't necessarily describe what they do and I think if you're looking for a role within a business, a big business, um, or within an industry which is very um, strategic in its approach, you need to give yourself a realistic opportunity within that business and you have to be realistic about what your experience is and not cheat, try and cheat the game by giving yourself a title that you haven't achieved. Does that make sense? In through experience. It does. And I think for me, there's a lot of people on LinkedIn at the moment that will give themselves titles that people have never heard of, but ultimately also don't say what you do. So look, a creative director or a design director, is it's pretty well known. It's been a title that's been around for years and years and years and years. And people know on the whole, yes, there's flex and variation, but ultimately pretty much know what we do. Brand strategists, whatever it is, you pretty much know what they do. But then there's a lot of people who give themselves a title, be it, I don't know, a culture consultant or and you know you know but but the, that's a title that you go what what does that actually mean and so i think there's an awful there's a huge rise in people who give themselves these titles you know, like I'm a, I'm a culture consultant or you know an, an, an innovation advisor and actually you know like it sort of suggests what they do but it, it just really just sounds a little bit showbiz and yeah you want to be able to benchmark people and benchmark okay where where are these guys in their career if you're looking to expand your team you're looking to bring people on board um it, linkedin is a great place to look because you can start to see things it's not just on linkedin it's also how people um convey themselves across within their social media posts or um even within if they're, they're contacting you via directly via email for example or even post old school post it's 
you have to be able to sort of write what is this, what level of this is this person at? What is their experience, and can they do the job I'd like them to be able to do? And let's put ourselves into our client's head. How does it make, I mean, look, we're going to be super honest and open now and go, if someone comes to you and says they're an entrepreneur or a brand manager, I mean, traditionally brand managers, um, procurement managers, um, CEOs of companies are are well-recognized ones to us. But what about some of the newer ones? How do we feel when someone says, oh, what do you do? Are are you going to be my next, you know, client? Am I going to help you with your brand strategy and your brand positioning? And they go, I'm a micropreneur or an entrepreneur. How do we feel? Is there a little bit less belief or is there more belief? Are we excited? Then you have to start breaking it down again and say, right, just tell me what your experience is because I, I can't use your job title as a reference to your um, experience. And I think even now in a world where people are working remotely, people are starting to, there are more entrepreneurs out here than ever before. It's di- more difficult to devise a structure that maps out where a certain person is within their career um, if you start basing it on years of experience equals where they are then in their sort of stage of creative. It must be it must be an equation. Yeah, I don't, I don't know what that is. <laughs> most most creative job title plus years experience plus how much ego equals and there's new there's new terminology coming out. So we, we're always going to make sure we keep up with the times in terms of what the semantics are within a description of a business. I mean I, I saw it the other day um someone's job title was uh, a BX director and of course You've got UX, user experience, and BX is now brand experience, and your yeah. brand experience director, and a brand strategist. And you've got almost got to try and see through the lines a little bit. Um, but you can, for the most part, I think. If you start to sort of look at someone's experience and where they've been, what they've done, what they've achieved, um, you start to understand what, what it is there, where they're at. And you have to almost park that job title thinking, okay? It's not just in their job title. You've got to see what they've, what they've done. And, of course, talk to people that they've worked with. Then you get to understand, okay, this guy's a chief bullshitter. That's what he's not, <laughs> not necessarily a, at the top of his game. I'm sure that's a title somewhere. What can we say for our kind of conclusion? Should people care about their job titles, Mark? Or should we worry about it within our industry? Or are, are there more job titles? I mean, look, not many people. There weren't very many when I started out, definitely. Um, we were strategic designers, but there was no actual strategists brand strategists in our it wasn't really a thing Um, and that's why ultimately you can definitely find that more brand strategists don't come from the traditional background of design thinking or whatever they come from all sorts of different backgrounds Um, so I think there's probably been lots more different roles Um, like you say a brand CEO and stuff like that as well now within our industry and even even like but even like the types of design I suppose like UX UI and, and those kind of things um, so what do you think we can take away from it? Like how relevant is it for people to think about their titles for LinkedIn or for whatever? Um, and definitely if they're applying for jobs and, and stuff. Yeah. Well, I think it's important uh, in respect that even your email sign-off, for example, when you're emailing clients um, outside of your own company or within, within your own company, because people need to know who they're dealing with, who they're talking to, and what type of response they give you and sort of your seniority, what your availability is, they need to talk to you. All those sorts of things. So I used to think it wasn't important. I used to think job titles are just uh, titles of grandeur that people give themselves just to make themselves more important. But the older I get, and I would say, I'd like to say the wiser I get, but people would probably argue that's not the case. But the older I get, the more I start to realise it, it is important for people to understand who they're talking to, if that makes sense. And your experience understanding, because if I'm if I'm relating to someone in a creative director, I'd probably perhaps engage in a very different way than I would do than I would with a junior designer. 
not in the respect that I am giving them any disrespect, but I would just say, listen, I understand there are certain things that when I'm talking to you, you would understand things that I'm talking about um, within the sort of world of creativity, which a junior designer uh, may not get. So you just, you hold yourself differently, you talk to them differently and communicate differently. I mean, do you think the same, Liz? Is this, uh, because I, I see it's important. I do, and, but I don't think it correlates necessarily with age. So I think, look, you can be a junior designer even in your 40s or whatever because I think there's a lot more nowadays of people changing careers or changing the area that they work in. So I think it used to be a little bit linked to age. People used to look at you and go, like, oh, you're, like you must have so many years in the industry, whereas now it's very much because people – like it's um, a world of squiggly careers, we kind of call it, where you kind of change and and do different things but I do think there's an awful lot I really truly believe that there's an awful lot of merit on not necessarily years of experience but the depth of experience within one area and I will refer back to that Christo talk um, today um, where he talks about I can't remember the name of the guy that he had on actually talking about it but he said when you look at TED talks no one is just a generalist most people there are experts or specialists in something whatever that thing is um, and then they expand upon it so I think it's not always about the amount of years in the industry it can, it can be about deep diving into a certain thing um, and so for me it's more about not necessarily the title it's it's a bit of a mixture of everything like ultimately yes the title it's relevant in a bigger business. Sometimes I change mine just for fun um, when I email people within the business to see if they notice. <laughs> but yeah, again, that's quite I, funny I, too, yeah. I wouldn't be allowed to do that if I was a junior. I can only do that because I'm a creative director. It allows me different privileges or it allows me different... I can get away with a lot more, I suppose, um, as the rebel creative director in a bigger business than if I was just a junior designer. Another quick question, actually, just before we sort of head off in our separate ways. Um Something I was thinking before, do you think that the typical design agency structure that that I sort of described at the beginning about working your way up from a junior up to the sort of chief creative officer or to a certain extent sort of uh, exec creative director, do you think that the typical design agency structure is going to change or has changed, uh, certainly in the last year or so with remote working and people having to work in different ways? Because your skill sets are going to have to change, the way in which you communicate, the way in which you function as a design agency has had to change and it, I don't think it's going to go away it's always going to be there now this remote working I don't think in terms of big design agencies the structure will change because I think because it's a big agency you need structure um, I think that the roles um, and like I say be more agile and more adaptable will change and then I also know there's a heck of a lot I mean look there's a junior designer who I worked with five, six years ago at Equator that decided at the time he didn't want a full-time job. He just wanted to freelance. He only wanted to be an influencer and now teaches other people. He refused to have a full-time job. So I always used to push and go, I think you need to be in the industry. I think you need to earn your stripes, but ultimately he's proven he can do it. So all of us going, you can't be independent. You can't have your own business until you've at least done a few years in the industry is rubbish because he's done it. And so I also sometimes blow my own expertise into under the water and go, actually, do you know what? I truly think if you think you can do it and you're passionate enough about it, go, go, go ahead and do it. If you want to be a creative director at 22 when you've just finished university or college or whatever, do you know what? If you think you can do it, go out there and do it. Prove, I love to be proved wrong. Like I think a, there's a lot more experience. And I, I even me five years ago, I can't imagine – and bring on I learned a lot in my last role as creative director that I've brought to the table in this role and I think I had to get it wrong a few times to to bring and I don't get it right all the time now 
but I think there's a lot in terms of trying and failing and I think you get better you get a higher role the more you try and fail it's not necessarily about being in in a place for a long period of time and I think just to, to cap it all I think as a creative director um, a creative director of a large huge business um, is a very different role and fulfillment of what you're actually doing on a day-to-day basis than it would be for a small one-man band two-man band business you know creative director in that sort of business is entirely different I did think that but I would have to say it's all about the people so I think even as part of a bigger business the people in directly around me are amazing and I think of them like I I always sometimes have to remind myself it's still part of a big business because the people make me feel like it's it's part of a smaller unit I suppose and I think look Mark before we finish up what we should ask is if you weren't in the creative industries what would be your dream job I think if if you weren't doing what you were doing if you were if you weren't an independent creative director what would you do that was one of the first things I thought what lord of the man lord of them or you might be soon (laughs) (laughs) well no I'd be the lord (laughs) lord Mark I don't know then it starts coming back to what what other jobs would would I be doing I, I like what I do. I love our industry. I love the category that I work within. So I, you know, I'll stick with what I've got. Did you never? Did you? Did you never have a backup or something else you wanted to be at school other than Superman? <laughs> oh yeah, totally. This is this is hard. <laughs> That's it. I'm still working my flying bit. Um, oh, absolutely. And I often think about it. I often think about I had uh, I flaunted with the idea of going to the military and the Royal Marines selection. Um, and I also then had design along the side of it, sort of, and a rugby player as an option. So I had lots of options available to me as a, as a young, fighting fit, virile young man. You know, I had the world at his sort of fingertips. And, and I still believe I have that now, even though I probably don't. I still feel like I'm 20 years old and still have those options. So, you know, if I wanted to work out and go be a PT instructor or go and join the Royal Marine. Reality is I couldn't, but um, I'd like to think I could. I still have that youthful, youthful mind. Never say never. <laughs> never say never. You can do anything you set your mind to. I truly believe that. Uh, listen, running, running around the field, trying to carrying men who are sort of 18, 19 stone, as I was at the time, I wouldn't be doing that now. <laughs> what about you, Liz? Let's ask that qu- one last question for you then. Oh, my, mine, are, mine, are just, mine are not that creative. I just always wanted to be an architect or a press journalist. Um, but like I, 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 but I, st- I still, I love what we do. So yeah, similar. No military for me. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> well, you still could do it. Well, at least this has been brilliant. Really insightful. Really good to have a conversation about just about the sort of nitty gritty within our business and job titles. Although it sounds quite minimal, it is fundamentally about semantics, um, and it's your own perception of what that role is. So brilliant. Um, yeah, and thank you very much for your time again, Lise. Um, Let's make sure that we don't leave it as long to the next podcast. I know that uh, life has gotten in the way of some of our recordings, mostly on my part, unfortunately, with moving house and what have you. But we'll, we have some new. We'll we need to. Done. We'll find some new topics, and hopefully, we've definitely got a guest coming up, so we'll um, try and fit one in before that. Yes, absolutely. Lisa, you've been brilliant. Thank you very much. Uh, we'll speak very soon. Speak soon. Thanks, Mark. <laughs>